and welcome to Popaholics, uh, the show where dad and daughter dish on pop culture. I'm Steve Hall. I'm Kate Hall. And uh, we we are we were just laughing because I had had COVID, and as a result, I've watched so much stuff. And <laughs> 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 we're not going to be able to cram it into one show. We're going to have two shows, but anyway, yeah. Kate is drinking. Uh, is that pumpkin latte? No, so it's a soy, it's a decaf soy latte, and then I also liked, uh, I like their pumpkin chocolate chip bread, so that's that's what that is, the pumpkin bread, not in the drink. Wow. I don't do pumpkins in drinks. <laughs> I'm not that basic. No, I'm I'm a little bit basic, but it's okay. <laughs> I refuse. What are you drinking, Dad? Uh, some coffee from Fresh Market. I refuse to drink anything with pumpkin in it. Although I did have a, I had a pumpkin ale, I think it was, at the at Newfields Art Museum when we went to check on the monster that we built for the yeah. garden, monster garden. And it was good. Garden monsters? Too, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't too pumpkin-y. So maybe I need to revise my um, my feelings on that. But I mean, in October, I, a lot of times I'm drinking Oktoberfest, you know? Right. Both from well, pumpkin. Great Lakes Brewing and then... Uh, most recently from Sun King here in Indy. Yeah. In in my experience, pumpkin is, because pumpkin's like naturally sweet, it's a little bit too much for me in a drink, whether that be coffee or like an ale or whatever. Because I don't, I don't really want those things to be sweet, but I'm great with baked goods being pumpkin yeah. flavored. So yeah. <laughs> so now you know what to to brew and cook for us when we come over. All right, that's our that's our way in on the uh, pumpkin spice latte <laughs> season. <laughs> so first, we're going to start talking about lessons in chemistry, which just debuted on Apple Plus. Uh, this is based on uh, the novel by Bonnie Garmus that uh, is very popular. In this miniseries set in the 1950s, uh, Brie Larson plays Elizabeth Zott, a chemist forced to work as a lab tech because of sexism and an incident in her past. Uh, we know from the very beginning of the first episode that she now hosts a popular cooking show where she uses her knowledge of chemistry to teach housewives more than recipes. So what did you think, Kate? I actually tried to read Lessons in Chemistry, I think, earlier this year. And for some reason, I didn't I didn't finish it. I couldn't get very far into it. And I can't remember if that was because I was reading other things that were more interesting or what the deal was. But so then I, you know, we were comparing or not comparing. You gave me your notes for what you were going to talk about today. I said, oh, let me let me hop on and see what I think about the miniseries. Because I, I generally like Brie Larson as an actor. Dad, I wanted to know if you, if this crossed your mind. So the actor that plays her love interest in the first two episodes is maybe I shouldn't say it in case he well he's not going to hear it anyways <laughs> in case he takes offense it's a nepo baby can you tell me which nepo baby he's Bill uh, Pullman's son right yeah Lewis Lewis Pullman son of Bill Pullman so my first initial thought was like oh he's kind of cute but also he looks really familiar why does he look so familiar <laughs> i don't why it's like something they can't see me gesturing it's like it's something about the mouth it's something with the mouth and the the like mannerisms and yeah. and the mouth and so then i looked it up later and i was like okay my first thoughts on the first couple of episodes are it's it's promising i'm much more invested and 
I was trying to come up with why I'm more invested now in the series than I was in the book. And honestly, I think it's because the tone of the of both uh, Elizabeth and Calvin, who is the love interest. Eccentric um, scientist, Calvin. Eccentric scientist, super smart, not great with people, maybe, a, you know, a little bit cold. That come to me comes off in the book as just very like, or at least how far I got in the book, it came off as like very, very, is superficial the right word? Not just very like flat and really hard to, Hmm. I found it very hard to sympathize with either character, but on screen, it seems like you get a, a little bit more, there's a little bit more room to kind of explore both of their personalities and and for some reason it was just like visually easier for me to be like oh oh, okay I get it like Mm. I'm I understand why Elizabeth Elizabeth's path has contributed to the way that she is just through Brie Larson's like uh, the tone of her voice, the cadence of speaking, the body language. And I just, it just was really, for some reason, it just was really hard for me to get that through in the book. But now that the series has come out, I think I'll try to go back and try to read the book again and see see how I feel. How I do you read, feel, Dad? Well, I haven't read the book. And my wife says that she thought the book was funnier than what we've seen so far in the miniseries. miniseries mm-hmm. Big dramatic stuff, basically. Um, yeah, lots of think, big themes. Yeah, I, I think it's really well done. I wrote that Larson and uh, Lewis Pullman were uh, very good. I thought, and I thought it was an effective drama. I so I think if somebody's a fan of the book, they should check it out. Going, you know, expecting this might be a diff- slightly different animal than what you experience in the book. But yeah. I do think it's really worth a look. Yeah, I'm excited to see how it plays out. It's I think uh, you know, we talked about it before how a lot of the streaming services are going back to the old model of dropping one episode weekly or whatever, so that I would assume probably to help the the viewership numbers. And so to, you know, make it more of a long term thing and not just like, oh, everybody watched it all at once and then goodbye. Does that make sense? <laughs> does make sense and so uh so yeah and we've also talked about how i'm i am okay with that kind of delayed gratification so yeah i'm excited to see how it how it plays out well good so that's lessons in chemistry on apple plus next i want to go in a different direction this is a movie that's available for rental 2023 movie we saw it on Amazon Prime called Jules J U L E S it's a sweet little movie directed by Mark Turtletob who's been involved with movies like Little Miss Sunshine and Safety Not Not Guaranteed which are both great movies. And like those movies this is an offbeat comedy drama. So Bing Kingsley plays a retired widower kind of guy that goes to the city council meetings and complains about crosswalks, right? And so one night he has a UFO crash into his backyard in rural Pennsylvania. But right. nobody <laughs> nobody will believe him. He, you know, okay. he's talking about it wiping out his his flower bed and st- bird bath and stuff. So n- nobody nobody believes him. He eventually befriends the little gray being who is played by um, Jade Kwan Q U O N, who crawls out of the spaceship and is obviously hurting 
So he befriends him, feeds him apples, finds out he likes apples. So he feeds him apples and you know gives him water, and then eventually takes him in the house. And the kid, the being, never speaks at all. His two nosy acquaintances, Jane Curtin and Harriet Sansom, become aware of the being, who they nickname Jules. And so the three of them resolve to protect it until Jules can fix its spaceship and head home, hopefully before government agents close in. This really is sort of like E.T. with senior citizens instead of Elliot <laughs> befriending the alien. Okay. Uh, I've seen, you know, Jules is a comedy. Parts of it are, are very funny. What it's really about is, I would say, the, the theme is how older people are ignored or forgotten in our society, but they really have an, a lot to offer. And so those parts of the movie are bittersweet, a little sad. But uh, overall, this is a very enjoyable movie. That's Jules on, uh, like I said, we saw it on Amazon Prime. It's available for rental. Cool. Okay, so very briefly, I'm going to follow up on the book that I was reading, Bad Creed by Jessica Johns. Um, so I, I finally finished that. If listeners will remember, previously I had read uh, White Horse by... I think it was erica james something um something like that and so that so in that book there's you know this uh urban indigenous person is starts having visions linked to her mother's bracelet and there's a monster the lofra and you you know and it ends up being that the lofra is is not the type of traditional cryptid monster that that you might be expecting. And so then in Bad Cree, it's kind of the same, kind of the same theme. A young woman, a young Cree woman has moved away from her family. She's on the other side of Canada. She starts having really weird, scary stuff happen. And so she decides to go back to her family who are closer to Montreal, I think, if I remember correctly. And so then when she gets there for a little bit, she's fine. She's like, okay, I can start, you know, uh, making my way back to uh, Vancouver. All good. I just need to see my family. But then, of course, not everything is good. And so the things that are happening to her, like her bringing things back from her dreams or her nightmares, keep getting worse. And then she finds out it's affecting. It's a, it's a whole thing in her family. So the the monster, uh, the Weedigo, you know, in this book is the monster that they're trying to fight. And of course, it's not a monster. It's linked to greed and devastation and isolation from your community and not taking care of the earth and all of this stuff. And so I thought that I just like, you know, I don't know if we've ever talked about it on the podcast, but you and I have talked about how Buffy the Vampire Slayer wasn't the monsters were never really it was never really about monsters it was about the show was about being a type of other and finding your people and and fighting the big yeah fighting the big scary things that happen and the monster yeah the monsters you know are monsters it's just another way to explore that overall I, i thought it was really well done I liked White Horse a little bit more than I liked Bad Creep, but both were still really great. And I, I think definitely worth a read. And if I've totally confused you, the mm. book that I am talking about right now mm. is mm. Bad Cree by Jessica Johns. And you should check it out. 
as I realized like, oh, you kind of went, ooh, well, let's like bring it back down here. <laughs> oh, because you were talking about what monst- that monsters represent in Buffy. I should probably, I'm going to switch what I was going to talk about and talk about this movie called The Monster. It's uh, on okay. Max. It's from uh, 2016. And in this horror movie, a mother played by Zoe Kazan, uh, married to Paul Dano of Little Miss mm-hmm. Sunshine. It's all tying together. And <laughs> so a mother and her preteen daughter, played by Ella Ballantyne, have a troubled relationship because of the mom's alcoholism. Their relationship is told in flashbacks. She, When she's taking the daughter to live with her dad, the daughter's dad, they have a blowout on a road in the middle of nowhere on a dark and stormy night. They hit a wolf, but the wolf seems Woo! to have been fleeing something else. Slowly, they realize there's something bad out there. So the mon- this mon- the monster is uh, somewhat reminiscent of the Australian horror movie, uh, The Babadook, uh, which is about a mother-son relationship. It has some effective jump scares, but it's really more about the mother-daughter relationship and how there can be monsters in real life, uh, in daily life, in terms of the decisions you make and um, you know the way that you are. Because the mom's in bad way self-destructive habits yeah and this is one i thought that uh, kazan and Valentine were very believable as the mom and daughter and this is one of those movies where something trivial will seem to be introduced early on and then later of course it it figures prominently so it's good good script writing the monster is old school played by a guy in a suit you know the godzilla movies right right i would have gone in a different direction with the monster design maybe but overall, I found the monster uh, very entertaining. So that's the monster. It's on, available on Max. Cool. Switching gears. Just to, just to, you know, lighten it up a little bit. <laughs> I recently watched the movie Theater Camp on Hulu. I, I really liked it. So this is, it's, stay with me on this because it's a lot. It's a lot of billing. <laughs> Written and directed by Noah Galvin, Molly Gordon, Nick Lieberman and Ben Platt, Ben Platt from, from, yes, dear Evan Hansen from the politician. If anybody remembers those two seasons on Netflix, ton of stuff, very, very talented Broadway star. Cause I think he was in the original cast of spring awakening. Mm. If I'm remembering correctly, starring Molly Gordon, Ben Platt, Noah Galvin, I'm going to screw up her name because I didn't practice beforehand. I think it's Ayo Edebiri from The Bear and other things. She's a comedian and writer. And Jimmy Tatro, who is new to me, apparently he's on a CBS sitcom or something like that. Um, or something like that. Or something uh, <laughs> like that. So anyways. Oh, and Amy Sedaris. So in theater camp, centric staff members of an upstate New York theater camp must band together when their beloved founder, played by Amy Sedaris, uh, falls into a coma. Ben Platt and Molly Gordon star as uh, longtime theater camp attendees and now, in, uh, you know, camp counselors. I had somebody who, who actually attended theater camp tell me they were really excited about this movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Io plays one of the counselors. Noah Galvin plays the dismissed camp like tech. So he knows how to, you know, fix all of the lights and 
and the sound equipment and like all the stuff. But then he's like probably the most talented one of the bunch, like can sing can dance, can do it all. And everybody is just like, Oh no, that's the guy that like runs the lights and stuff. Like, don't worry about him. Jimmy Tatro plays Amy Sedaris's son. He's kind of bro He's like a Bitcoin influencer. <laughs> and so when, so the job falls to him to run the camp. And so then it, you know, turns out the camp has not been making money. They can't pay their bills. There's a rival camp that wants to take over that land and like turn it into, you know, a, a very like waspy summer camp, sleepaway mm. camp. Um, and so then, you know, it just like <laughs> theatrics ensue from there. So I really liked it. I think if you if you grew up in the theater, if you have people in your life that are theater people, you will be like, oh God, this reminds me so much of this person or how I, I was when I was in theater camp, la la la. Kate and I um, both have people in our family yes. we're in theater who are theater people. So yes. Yeah. I thought it was very funny and very well done. And so that is streaming on Hulu. So I thought about saving this for next time. I'm, I'm going to talk about it now. It's a new movie called Totally Killer that's uh, available on Prime. Cross a slasher movie like Scream or Friday the 13th with Back to the Future. And you have the horror comedy Totally Killer. Kiernan Shkipka of Mad Men, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, plays Jamie, a teen who lives in a town where 35 years ago, three popular girls were murdered. The Sweet 16 Killer, uh, so-called because he stabbed each victim 16 times, was never caught. On Halloween night, Jamie has a fight with her mom, who's played by um, uh, Julie Bowen of Modern Family. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the mom subsequently gets murdered, apparently by the Sweet 16 Killer. Jamie and her friend use a time machine because who doesn't have one of those just sitting around the house (laughs) to send Jamie back to the 1980s with the intent of stopping the killings and catching the murderer so her mom will stay alive in the future. When Jamie gets there, she discovered that the three murder girls are big time mean girls Mm. and mom played by the young mom played uh, played by Olivia Holt is the queen bee. So, do you still want to save your mom? She, the, she, the teenage version is being a total bitch to you. <laughs> <laughs> Much I think of that's the, an interesting, yeah, interesting is. way to to go about that traditional kind of, you know, scary movie. That's right. So she, and when people, she tries to tell people what's happening, and she mentions Back to the Future, and they they have seen the movie or they just think it's, you know, she's out of her head. Right. So much of the comedy of totally killer comes from Jamie coming up against the attitudes of the 1980s from non-existent school security. She literally walks into the school office, says claims that she's Jamie LeFleur from Prince Edward Island, Canada. And she's a transfer student. And then they just automatically get <laughs> the schedule. They don't check, check anything. Okay. Non-existent school security. Two moms who smoke like chimneys with kids in the car. The movie is not as gory or raunchy as the slasher movies that inspired it. Instead, it has sort of a self-aware silliness mixed with heart. Shipka's all in as usual. Uh, I thought the big showdown could have been better. 
but I was glad I watched Totally Killer. Totally Killer on Prime. Cool. Well, I I only have two things left to talk about, so I'm I'm saving that for the next one. I want to make sure I get in this. A novel called Horse by Geraldine Brooks. This engrossing novel is based on the remarkable true story of the thoroughbred Lexington, the fastest runner of his time in the 1850s, and uh, the horse who has sired more champions than any other stallion, okay? Brooks, who uh, is a Pulitzer Prize winner, balances the story of Lexington and the enslaved groom who loves and trains him with two other stories. An art gallery in the 1950s, art gallery owner in the 1950s, friend of Jackson Pollock's, uh, mm-hmm. she becomes obsessed with this 19th century painting of a horse who is Lexington. Lexington. Yeah. Okay, and then there's a story in 2019. These two young people in Washington, D.C. One's a Smithsonian scientist from Australia. The other one's a a Nigerian-American art historian. And they set out to solve the mystery of this painting that the guy finds on, uh, like, thrown to the curb, basically. And then she's enlisted to look at the bones of this stallion to try to figure out why he was so fast and of course it's lexington okay there's a lot going on in this book but brooks definitely interweaves all these stories to talk about science and art love and obsession and our nation's unresolved issues of racism so it's a it's pretty masterful job i have to say that several years ago i worked on i was part of a team redoing the visitors visitor center in lexington kentucky and their mascot is Big Lex, a.k.a. Lexington the Stallion. And to write labels, I did a lot of research into Lexington and the horse. But I only scratched the surface compared to what Brooks has gathered uh, in, to turn into this page-turning yarn. So it's highly recommended, uh, Horse by Geraldine Brooks. I have another great book to talk about. So this book uh, I got at a free library, H is for Hawk by Helen MacDonald. It's a remarkable memoir. A young British woman who is uh, a falconer uh, deals with grief about her father's death by taking on the notoriously hard training of a goshawk. And apparently they are very fierce and feral, vicious killers. I mean, that's nature's training to be vicious killers. And so it's a little like inviting a sociopath to live on a perch in your house is what it it looks like to me. Training the goshawk, McDonald is falling in the footsteps of mainly privileged uh, white male falconers over the centuries, including T.H. White, who wrote The Once and Future King and The Sword mm-hmm. of Stone, both both based on the King Arthur legends. And so as she reads White's book about training a goshawk, MacDonald attempts to get inside his head and understand what the bird meant to him and his life and his work. So you have this intertwined, wonderful writing about nature, the liter- sort of literary literary what do I want what's the word I want literary I want to say meditations but that's not right literary musings on uh white's life and then the mm-hmm. actual training of the goshawk so the book is really about the pain and joy of being alive so that's h is for hawk helen mcdonald highly recommended and then i'm also going to sneak in hopefully a house of ghosts a gripping murder mystery set in a haunted house that's the actual title by W.C. Ryan. Okay, this is an unusual blend of gothic ghost story and Agatha Christie spy mystery, with a little bit of romance thrown in. During World War I, British intelligence 
sends a soldier slash spy named Donovan and a young English woman, Kate Cartwright, to a remote island for a seance at the home of a munitions manufacturer. Several of the guests have an interest in communicating with the dead. So there are plans for a seance or two in what turns out to be a very haunted house. Mm. But Donovan and Kate are there because someone at the gathering is a spy for the Germans. Who is it? The ghost bits in this book are not very scary. Uh, it's really someone <laughs> who appreciates like an atmospheric uh, Agatha Christie whodunit on a dark and yeah. stormy weekend. You know, kind of house where there's all these hidden passages and, you know, people using trickery and stuff. The reluctant relationship of Donovan and Kay is pretty appealing. So that that's a house of ghosts, a gripping murder mystery set in a haunted house by W.C. Ryan. But where do people find us? People can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Papaholics Podcast. On X, formerly known as Twitter at Papaholics. And then please, if you have any thoughts on anything that we talked about today or things that you are streaming, reading, listening to, drinking, or eating, since we talked about pumpkin flavored things, <laughs> please shoot us an email to uh, papaholicspodcast at gmail.com. Great. All right. For Steve, for Steve Hall. <laughs> for Papaholics, I'm Steve Hall. <laughs> for Papa Hawks, I'm Kate Hall. <laughs> Go out and enjoy pop culture. Bye.